record on this. <clears throat> hey, welcome to the Pharmacy Residency Podcast, a member of the Pharmacy Podcast Network. So uh, most of you have gotten the good news, or 72% of you that did PGY1 and 75% of you that did PGY2 are uh, got the good news that you're going to go to residency, and then a number of you in phase two are going to also get that good news as well. But what we want to make sure is that after that good news and your graduation, that you pass the NAPLEX and the MPJE. And I brought the MPJE expert uh, from TLDR Pharmacy, Brandon Dyson, uh, who will be telling us a little bit about preparation, a little bit about the offerings he has on the website. Uh, but to make sure you don't leave this till the last minute. It is not an asterisk. You can fail this just as much as you can fail uh, the NAPLEX. So Brandon, welcome to the Pharmacy Residency Podcast. Thank you so much, Tony. I appreciate you having me on. Just in case there's one or two people out of the um, group that has not heard of TLDR Pharmacy, can you first tell me about uh, TLDR Pharmacy and what you guys have done? And then uh, this is exactly what your kind of mantra, I guess you would say, or uh, to make you know pharmacy simplified is. But tell us a little bit about TLDR's mission and how this fits in. Yeah, absolutely. So TLDR pharmacy is what I wish existed when I was in pharmacy school, and and the products that we create are the products that I wish existed when I was studying for the Netflix or studying for the MPJE. Um, it's kind of exactly that. I, I think of it as a gap connector and a, a dot, dot filler, or dot hole filler um, and, and kind of your education. The education you'll get in school, you know, will we'll teach you to the NAPLEX and that's obviously very important. You've got to pass the NAPLEX. You've got to pass the MPJE. So like you'll, you'll get the, you know, multiple choice answer requirements. Um, but then you'll find when you get to clinical practice that no one's going to ask you a multiple choice question when a patient's crashing, right? Or <laughs> no, no, nothing comes at you in a multiple choice format. Like you, you've got to be able to apply information in a unique situation. You have to have a foundation of knowledge and you've got to be able to, to work with it, you know, through various, to apply it to different kinds of scenarios. We try our best at TLDR to help you provide that, to give you a context of how to think about things while we're trying to help you pass the test too. Here's the kind of, if I was writing a test question, here's how I would ask it kind of stuff. We put that in there, but with the foundation of hopefully helping you under, understand it too, so that you can apply it in different scenarios and awesome. adapt it. Awesome. Yeah. And then uh, you can get a couple of cheat sheets, I think, for free as they're studying for the NAPLEX. Um, I don't remember which ones. I feel like uh, antimicrobials is one of them. Yeah, we have an antibiotic um, cheat sheet and an HIV, a single pager HIV. Both of them are single page cheat sheets that you get just for joining our email list. They're free. Um, very, very popular, very effective. And then we have some other souped up versions that are available for purchase as well that go into a lot more detail, but are obviously really helpful as well. Okay, awesome. All right, so what we're going to do is let, let's actually start with NAPLEX, and uh, NAPLEX still has not come out with <clears throat> the new numbers for the 2021 graduates, uh, yeah. so we're going to be going over old data here, or quotation fingers, old data. I guess the first question I have, and maybe we can kind of brainstorm on this, the acceptance rate to pharmacy school has gone from 30% 
to 80. This graduating class will be admitted at 82%. The graduating class in three years from now will be have, have been admitted at 89%. Yet the NAPLEX scores have remained static <laughs> at 88 and 89%. How, what, what do you think that pharmacy schools are doing right to, to make sure that their students are graduating and passing the NAPLEX? Well, I think if you're a, I mean, you, to maintain accreditation as a pharmacy school, you know, a big part of that metric is the pass rates that your students have from the NAPLEX, in particular, the, you know, first attempt pass rates. And so, and again, please understand, like when I'm saying they they have an inherited interest of teaching you to the test, I'm, I'm not accusing them of only teaching you surface level stuff. That's not what I'm saying. But, you know, they've they've adapted and they, they've grown as, as the NAPLEX has changed. The NAPLEX has continued to get more clinical and pharmacist roles have continued to get more, you know, quote, you know, air quotes, clinical, um, not that we weren't before over the course of the last you know decade or so they've they've, they've rolled with it and that's helped them keep, keep the pass rates higher, even as their acceptance rate has, has increased. Okay. So, um, I'm just kind of setting things up with the NAPLEX because the NAPLEX and MPJE are so different in that. So the NAPLEX is the same, no matter where you go. So, well, I mean the, the same question bank, same percentage of students should be passing and all that stuff. And one thing I wanted to make clear about the NAPLEX is that a lot of times students will look at their, their classes or their, their college's pass rate and apply the ABCD to it. And so they'll say, oh, okay, my, my school's pretty good. Um, you know, we got an 85 on the, NAP, on the NAPLEX. You know, that's not great, but at least it's a B. But when you look at the average, and I want to talk a little bit about math because you have... Um, you, you have a lot of articles on biostatistics and things like that. And for those of you that are really struggling with the math, I mean, those, those are phenomenal help. It's entertaining too. kind of one of the big parts of TLDR is that not only is it a little bit shorter, though, when I say shorter, your some of your uh, um, posts are almost book length. Um, but the math on it is, you know, when we look at these numbers, the average is 88.43. That means that you are in the bottom half of all colleges of pharmacy it's getting really negative. I didn't mean it to be that way, but the bottom half of 88, everything under 88%, you're in the bottom half. So when you look at the 74 and 75 that are just above that 88, that's actually in the bottom 10% of all NAPLEX colleges. So when you're looking at your NAPLEX score, what I'm trying to say is if you look at the percentile rank, you can get a pretty good idea of what percentile rank you're going to be going into the MPJE which is a little bit tougher. Okay. So I want to make that transition, but just say that don't look at the, don't look at the numbers as a 75 as a C look at the 75 as, okay, well out of 150, what number is that? And that's probably 145, 140. All right. Let's go. uh, Just if I could add one quick thing, it's, it's a trick that our brains naturally do to us and marketers are very, aware of it but you know 80 you're like that's not bad that's that's a b like you said 80 percent means that one in five of you have failed <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> like that 20 percent is one in five right so 20 percent are failing it's when you if i state the number that way it it sounds a lot more 
it doesn't sound quite as colorful and rosy. <laughs> and and I really wanted, I, I wish I had Dungeons and Dragons dice for like the MPJE review so yeah. I could have everybody kind of roll a 10-sided die. But can we talk, let, before we get to MPJE, can we talk about independent variables? So can we consider the, the NAPLEX and MPJE independent variables? Like I roll the dice once with NAPLEX. Yay, I pass it. Wait a minute. What do you mean I have to roll the dice again? Yes, you have to roll it right. again. You got to stack it. <laughs> yeah, so so it's like uh, you know, it's it's like uh, yeah. I, I don't want to think of. I can't think of a, a a good example, but but yeah, you have to roll whatever your college's percentage is, and then you have to roll it again. And when we get to the CPJE numbers, which I believe you do have a a, a sheet for CPJE, right, Brandon? Correct. It covers just to be clear. It covers only the law portion okay. of the California test. It does not go into the clinical aspects, but we do have, we do have one. Yes. But you have like ten years of clinical on TLDR, and then the right. We have a lot of other stuff to address some of the clinical things. Exactly. Okay. Okay. All right. Well, let's let's. Talk and we have an little... article on the CPJE that specifically goes into some of the clinical questions that you could you could expect. Okay. Yeah. I, I remember there's that issue with the cheating or whatever. So that's cleared up, yeah. but, but again, <clears throat> we'll, we'll talk about numbers as you kind of come in. So let's, let's start with MPJE and let's go into the dagger of CPJE in a, in a minute. So tell me a little bit about why it is that, you know, what are some of the reasons that all of a sudden we went from 88% to what seems like, ah, it's not so bad, you know, 84%, but now we're really getting to that one in five that you're talking about which is, okay, you know, look at your class. You got a hundred people in your class. The first 20 people in the first row or the 20 people in the back row, whatever you want to think about. Yeah. They're going to fail it. Okay. Add that to the other 12 people that failed the NAPLEX and maybe they're the same people, maybe they're not, but all of a sudden when you kind of personify it, you're like, Whoa, maybe there is a small chance that uh, things might not go my way. So tell me how it's possible for, you know, schools that are, you know, scoring 60, 70, 80% to all of a sudden have a school that's maybe scoring under 50% or 60 and 70%. What, what in the world went wrong from, okay, everybody's passing mostly to what just happened. We just had a catastrophe. So I, th I think a couple of things here. Um, I would say first and foremost, and I'll defend the schools here, um, is that exactly which MPJE or CPJE or you know, Arkansas technically doesn't have the MPJE, which test should they prepare you for? When I was in school, I had classmates that were from Florida. I had classmates from New York, classmates from California. And I went to pharmacy school in D.C., somewhere in North Carolina. Any one of us might go to a residency, depending on where we, we match in any state, right? And so... It's, I think, unreasonable, and because every state laws are different, it's unreasonable to have the school teach you the laws of every single state. I, I don't, you know, that, that's a big gap there. So they could teach you federal law, and I think most schools probably do a fairly decent job at teaching you the controlled substance laws, especially. And they might even teach you the laws of the state that you're taking, you know, that you're in yeah. at school that you're in. But sometimes that might the association not be where you practice. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And you may not practice there. And 
So I think that's part of it. I think the other thing that happens is I just think, I think it's slept on like how, I mean, let's be honest. It's not a fun test to study for, right? It's (laughs) right. It's not, it's nothing that's like for your brain that's wired clinically. It's not a good, it's, it's just, it's not how your brain thinks. It's not how your brain works. Um, studying like for any kind of a law test for most of us anyway. Um, and so I think that's a second part of the problem is that we put off studying for it. We don't really want to study for it. We don't even know how to study for it because the state board of pharmacy website will just give you a 400 page document and say, go. And then what do you do? So it's, I think that's part of the disconnect, at least in my opinion. Okay. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And, and again, the other thing they don't do is tell you what states they took it in. So I'll just use my, my home state from before. I'm in Iowa now, but uh, Maryland is an extremely difficult state. And a way that you can kind of do this really quickly is just take a look at the percentages of all of the schools in a single state. Uh, just as a way to do it. So I could look at University of Maryland Eastern Shore, I could look at the uh, University of Maryland, and then I could look at um, Notre Dame. uh, And then those are those are three kind of data points, if you want to call it that. And I could say, okay, well, I've looked at those, and those look really low. And there are plenty of very intelligent students there. It's just that Maryland is a very hard and what I've heard archaic test where they have questions that you could study for, but they're just so obscure, so different than, than what you would expect uh, that it becomes very difficult. So can you give some examples of that kind of obscurity that you might see uh, in some states? And we're, we're not saying that the state is wrong to make the law. We're just saying that that is something that you likely wouldn't think about uh, as you're, you're kind of thinking about your preparation for it. So, yeah, absolutely. And this, again, just boils down to every state being being different. Some of it's archaic, some of it's not. Um, sometimes, you know, when a new law gets approved, they don't remove an old law from the books. So you get some relics um, through the kind of research that I've done. You know, I've learned that, um, like for here, fun example, but South Dakota does not have Schedule 5 drugs, but it's got it it's moved those federal, anything scheduled, anything that's a schedule five federally is considered a schedule four in South Dakota. They just eliminated schedule four. Tennessee has a schedule six and a schedule seven, you know? So you have like so many, you have so many like different variables, Um, you know, like some States, like I, I I'm in Texas and we allow prescriptions, not controls, but we allow prescriptions from prescribers that are in Mexico and Canada. It's like Mexico makes sense, but Canada's <laughs> not close. But as long as it's not a controlled substance, I, I can legally fill it, you know, assuming it's so like you have. And so it, and literally any one of these things could become fair game on your test. Um, and it's just some states. Maryland is famous for it. Um, Georgia is famous. There's just a few states that are really, really difficult on their test. And it's because I think if you were to, the, their laws are expansive. There are a lot of different laws. There's a lot of different material. And I think it's just very difficult to try to figure out what to prioritize when you're studying. 
Yeah. And um, remind me, so the, the VA system, I know you're not in the VA system, but I think the VA system doesn't care where your license is from. That is correct. So if you want to avoid the MPJE, can you get licensed in Idaho and Arkansas? So Arkansas has a test still. They still have a law test. Okay. Idaho is effectively you sign a disclaimer saying you've read and understood the rules. (laughs) Um, I love it. (laughs) I mean, they, right. They've got the rules. They've got them all posted just like every other state, but they don't actually have an exam requirement which when I learned that blew my mind, (laughs) like, wow. So I think, you know, that, yeah, if you're, if you're in the VA or Indian health service or any of those kind of things like that, Idaho's your, you know, that's, that's your shortest path. Most definitely. (laughs) I, um, I remember actually talking to someone from Idaho. I think she's faculty now. She was AACP. I think it was Jen Adams. And she said, when she explained it to me, it made sense that like it took so long to make the test questions that by the time you got to the test, they were archaic or something like that, actually mm-hmm. acknowledging that that happens. And then the uh, many of the other states are just like, yeah, well, if it's archaic, it's archaic. It's in there. They're taking the test. Well, you know, when you think about the validation, you know, it's, it's yeah. actually similar with like board exam board of pharmacy tests as well. Like if you go for BCOP or BCPS or whatever, yeah but it's at least a six to 12 month lag time before a question is fully vetted and tested. And it almost has to be because this is someone's license that you're talking about. Right. right. So if it was ever found that you had a problematic thing and I didn't pass and now I've not been working for four months, like, I mean, think of the potential ramifications of that. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So. <laughs> okay. Well, let's, let's, maybe go to CPJE and then we'll kind of round out to, to the solution side of things and, and uh, what we can do. Um, I'm on the, the CPE, CPJE um, uh, statistics. And this is what kind of boggles my mind. You just see the first kind of uh, uh, thing here, which is CPJE overall pass rates. And you look at fail and you see 49.2 and you see pass at 50.8. And Yikes. It's, I know, right? Yeah. You're like, well, what happened to the Dungeons and Dragons dice? We're flipping a coin. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, that's yeah, my, my, literally. Yeah, yeah, no, I know. And actually, I, I think that's that number 50 point is actually right, because I think the head is actually a little bit weighted more than the tail. <laughs> so if you do actually do that in, in real life, I think it actually does go a little above 50 and a little below uh, 50. But tell me a little bit about the CPJE that, you know, the pass rate in the CPJE is around 50% and the NAPLEX is 88. So what's going on in California that they do differently for those that, that might not be aware and that are very excited about their California residency? So, I mean, the, here's what I would say, one, why, it's, why it's lower. Um, and, and I've talked to a lot, I haven't personally taken the CPJE just as a disclaimer, but I've talked with, you know, spoken with dozens and dozens of people, um, done a lot of research into this. The test itself is kind of like another version of the NAPLEX, um, but the best way I've heard it described is, is it's like an applied, it's like an engineer's version of the NAPLEX. So instead of just asking so it's, it's almost a hybrid of an MPJE and the NAPLEX. 
Um, the folks that I've spoken to have said that there's actually not that many hardcore law questions on the CPJE, like legit law, but most of them are these weird hybrids where you might get a question that's clinical and a law question. So it might be, you get a handed a prescription for so-and-so, do you fill it? And there's several different lenses that you have to look through, right? You have to look through, it, maybe it's a benzodiazepine, which is a controlled substance, and maybe it's got seven refill, or you know, maybe there's some legal aspect to it there. Maybe they've given you more background information on the patient and there's like a drug interaction that should concern you. Maybe it's both of those things. And, and then it's not even like, should you fill it? It's what should you do? Should you contact the prescriber? Should you like the way they word it? It's very, in some ways it probably prepares you better for being a pharmacist, honestly, because that's it's, what I was thinking. Know, I'm like, this is, this is a, it's actually sounds like it would be more of a, <clears throat> more of like a real life example. Uh, that you right. see. But that's hard to study for. <laughs> that's very, very <laughs> hard to study for, right? And it's hard to, if you're a school trying to prepare your students or whatever, it's hard to prepare for that because how could you possibly, you know, you have to, you have to really, really get a solid foundation that you can apply different scenarios to. It's not just select the right one from this list of four choices, right? It's, you know, there's so many other, like, so it's like each question on the CPJE, you might be evaluating it from two or three different lenses, a clinical lens, a legal lens, an ethical lens, whatever it might be. And that that's what makes it such a difficult test. But, you know, ironically, or maybe not ironically, but maybe resultingly it makes it, you'll, you'll be better prepared because of it. <laughs> We're making new adverbs. I love it. Yeah. Resultingly. Yes. <laughs> it's a word right now. Okay. <laughs> All right, Mr. English major. <laughs> <laughs> that's what makes them. That's what makes the English the most wonderful language and most yeah. brutal language. You can just make up a word and then somebody can say whether it is one or not. <laughs> so, <Yeah. laughs> All right. Well, let's, let's get people to, to passing this test. So, so one of the first kind of things is, is do California school graduates have a definite advantage over those graduates from other places in the United States? And the data show that it, it's minuscule. So the pass rates for California school uh, students is around 50.9, where it's actually a little bit um, higher for those outside of California. And that might lend more to, if you look at how many new schools are in California versus how many established schools there are, and I'm not going to go into the, you know, a third of the schools should close, we got plenty of schools and all that thing. But just to know that if you're outside of California, you have a marginally better chance. And if you're a foreign student, you actually have a much worse, well, a bit of a worse chance around 52% to fail. But they they actually break it down by college that you came from but the data is so small like you've got two people from auburn one passed one failed you know and you've got arizona eight people passed two people failed you got one from the university of arkansas you know unfortunately they didn't pass and so you've got these you know kind of smaller data points but it sounds like a more of a 50 50 Tell me a little bit more about the other stuff that's on the TLDR website that could help prepare you for the CPJE. We talked a little bit about this for residency interviews, 
but we, we talk over and over again about just have a different way of thinking. Can you tell me about how the TLDR material kind of gets you in a different way of thinking? So what, again, I think what TLDR does or what I hope that it does is it's the, you know, the gap connector, right? It's the thing that's filling in. You've learned this and how do you, now how do you apply it? What I'm hoping to do, what we're hoping to do is to teach you, not only teach you the knowledge, but teach you how to apply it because real life doesn't happen in a multiple choice format. Um, so specifically with the, the CPJE, we have an article that talks about, you know, some of the aspects of the CPJE and what makes it different than an MPJE. Um, and then beyond that, like you said, we've got what six, six years now, I think. Okay, that how six, long? I think we're yeah. six or seven years, six years of, of clinical content that's doing, that teaches you exactly about that. So when we write about anticoagulation or diabetes or hypertension or pneumonia, when we write about those topics, we're writing about them in a way that helps you to learn them, to, that helps you to like actually understand it. We're using, you know, humor and, and layman's terms for the most part to help help it connect with, you know, how, you know, we use metaphors and analogies, you know, like to help, help it land, help it land home. It's one thing if you're reading a bunch of guidelines and you're just seeing a bunch of weird numbers and statistics and words like hypertension and hyperkalemia and all sorts of weird things kind of come at you, but to describe them in in a almost story-like format, um, I think helps helps the material land and helps you fully absorb it and helps you to apply it. And then we, with the cheat sheets that we make, it's the same thing. Like we, the way we strive to organize our sheets is to organize them in such a way that they help you learn and understand understand the material. Like they're a clinical reference guide that you can use. You can post them up, you know, or take them on your clipboard or whatever. Like they're there. They've got the dosing information and stuff, but it also, they, they try to, put why that dosing information is the way it is. We try to teach and explain with why it is this way. And we try to teach it with how to group organize, how to group and organize information so that if like a a good example, I'll say is in antibiotics, right? There are probably nine antibiotics that do not require a renal adjustment. So it's, if you're a practitioner, if you're a student, and you're trying to learn, you know, how best to learn antibiotics, you know, it's, it's not reasonable for you to try to remember the creatinine clearance cutoffs for every single antibiotic, or, you know, to try to remember the hundred antibiotics that do have a renal dose adjustment, where it is like, that's not practical. And that's why we have tools like Lexicomp and Micromedics. But if you can learn the nine or 10 that do not require a renal adjustment, then you know that every other time you come across a prescription or an order or whatever, you know, environment that you're in, if it's not one of the nine, right. If it's not ceftriaxone or something like that, you've now you've got to go and look up what the actual adjustment is. You know, that that's a thing that's on your radar. And so we try to teach you kind of little heuristics, I guess, if that makes sense to think about different scenarios that kind of makes sense. That was kind of rambly. <laughs> no, no. And, and I, I'm going to take it even one further. Um, I've talked to some of the, 
students have used your, your cheat sheets. And what they've told me is that, I don't know if it was something intentional, but they actually remember where on the sheet it was and what color it was. So for those people that are much more visual minded, what they're actually doing is they're not only going to whatever part of the brain, but then they're in their brain, they're kind of scrolling through your sheet and like, oh, top left corner, green, yeah, or yeah. top bottom corner. And what it happened was they, they just kind of were able to compartmentalize it. Because I think what happens with um, that uh, RX prep, which is probably a doorstop still for, for most of the students, they're maybe starting to pull some of the pages out of it. But it's just such a big document. Your brain's like, well, where do you want me to file this? Or where do you want me to remember it? And by having it all on one sheet, I, it just became very visual, very geospatial, I guess is, is that a word? Uh, so where they, like they the, would remember it from where it was. And um, I mean, this is how people memorize decks of cards and stuff like that. Like people that have like memory champion, like it's called the loci or the focus of loci or it's some, some effect to that. Um, and that, that's how we study. That's how Sam and I, like I mean, independently, we kind of discover this after, you know, after the fact, but that's just how we studied. Like I can still remember some of my notes. I'm not even kidding from pharmacy <laughs> school. Like I can remember Ripapentin, you know, and it was on the bottom right-hand corner of this one thing in my notebook and it was a weekly dose. Like there's so many like random things and it's just because you're, it's when you spend enough time with it, you can, you, you visualize it it's easier to remember ciprofloxacin if you look at a bottle of ciprofloxacin versus if you look at the word ciprofloxacin, now you've got a visual of it, you know, even just by having a bottle of it and seeing the, what the capsules look like, you know? Yeah. And then even the, the bottle, you know, you're like, okay, well, there's a red on white and, you know, or, or even right. smells and things like that. Yeah. I mean, but, uh, everyone knows what metformin smells like. <laughs> Anyone that's ever, you know, Right. And so it, it's anyone that's ever, you know, tried to fill a Tessalon pearl, you know, like, I mean, Come on, little guy, get this. back here. Yeah, there's memes about this, but, but it's true though. And now, but like that sticks in your brain, right? Like that sticks in your brain much more than if you just start reading a paper about Tessalon. Now you've got a visual of it and it's not just some weird thing that we're using for cough and maybe hiccups and some other, right? Like now it's like, this little annoying roly poly pill. Like why the hell did they design this like this? This was an intentional choice. <laughs> We're like, going to mess with you. We're totally going to mess yeah, with the you. user inter the UI, like Steve Jobs would have <laughs> lost his mind over this on the UI of, of the Tesla pro. Okay. So tell me a little bit about how I can get to the cheat sheet. Cause you actually, it's not under cheat sheets. You actually have to go to MPJE resources. If I remember right. Um, so there's the cheat sheets link and then it's MPJE resources. And then I think it's down there. There's two cheat sheets. There's the blank one, a DIY one, or if you just want to fill in the nine pages of laws yourself in your spare time, um, you want to do it, uh, which I think was 25 and then the pre-filled state ones. And, um, can you tell me who did the visuals for that? Cause I, I'm just like, this is really kind of a fun trip around the United States visually that so yeah and just again to clarify for California the CPJE sheet that we have it's just for the laws which is okay. why we kind of have it nested in under the MPJE section yeah um, we we do have an article a free article that'll you know go over some of the 
clinical aspects of the CPJE, but it, I would not call it comprehensive. The okay. visuals on this is 100% Sam, who I own TLDR with. That okay. is 100% his design, his everything. He made every one of them. And I think they're fantastic. Um, yeah, so, no, I'm, yeah. I'm like, oh, look, that's downtown Des Moines at night. Cool. And they got the bridge, you know. It's, like, yeah. <laughs> it's always good. Yeah, we got we ran into um, with uh, with Kansas City. We ran into a, a bit of a because of the actual state that it lies in. And I think we took the building. We, we, we had someone call us out because we picked we picked the wrong building for the wrong state. And so we corrected it. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you. Thank you all for keeping us honest. <laughs> Um, for states awesome. we haven't actually been to yeah <laughs> awesome um now tell me about the the links in it because you know I was, at first i was like okay great you know i get a sheet great you know i got a sheet from the the board but you actually have hyperlinks uh in your sheets you told me correct so the blank sheet is blank um what what i think our blank sheet does what i think the mpje sheet that we have the cheat sheet does is it helps organize your studying it helps you take the 450 page law document that you know texas or whatever state has and it helps group that information into useful buckets to help you memorize it so that you can you know start to effectively start to memorize it because you unfortunately you don't get to take this with you into the into the pearson view exam room right you have to memorize this stuff too um what we the blank sheet does that is just a blank thing that you fill out yourself. What we did with the pre-filled ones is we pre-filled the answer. We took our blank MPJE sheet, we filled it out for you, but then we hyperlinked every answer to the corresponding law for that state. And so what that means is if we have a, you know, a thing that says the control substance is a C2 is valid for 30 days in this state. When you click that link, it takes you to that portion of the state's law code. We, like we've hyperlinked it directly there. Even on the PDFs, like it'll take you to page 78 of the PDF for so-and-so state. Um, and so the, the value there is that one, you can validate because laws change. And, you know, we, we try to, we're updating these every six months. We're on a six month update cycle with them. The laws change, right? So you can validate that the information is correct, but it's also really useful because you need to be able to apply the law and reading the actual law in its context, you know, reading the sentences before and around the thing that says 30 days, you learn another fact or another slightly related or tangential fact. You understand a little bit more about how to apply it because the other secret about the MPJE, any test that you take, no MPJE is going to ask you a question that says how valid is a C2 or how long, you know, how many, for how long is a C2 written by a physician valid? It doesn't ask you direct questions like that. It asks you indirect questions um, like, you know, how long you receive a prescription for morphine, sulfate, you know, I don't know, IR 15 milligrams, you know, so, you know, whatever. Uh, it's dated this and a patient attempts to fill it, you know, on this date, like it, it asks you it in a lot more of a tangential way, not just, you can't spit out 30 days. You have to figure out that it's 30 days. If that kind of makes sense. So no questions about how many refills on a C2. 
<laughs> so you won't get and so but the, it's it's even trickier beyond that right because there's also limitations on who can prescribe what in each state right like maybe a veterinarian or dentist has limited ability to prescribe a controlled substance for pain or a, a nurse practitioner or an optometrist or something and so you might get something that looks like you know, and they'll tell you that that's the thing with the mpje questions right it'll be you know, a patient hands you a prescription written by an optometrist for, you know, hydrocodone, acetaminophen, 5325, number 30 times, you know what I mean? Like, and so then there's two parts to your question. One, is it within like, or three parts? One, recognizing that that's a C2 in, in your state. Two, recognizing whether or not it's written within the valid date you know, it's, it's still valid based on the laws of that state. And then three, can the optometrist even prescribe that in your state? <laughs> and so, so, so you're looking at all these different things and it's never just, can an optometrist prescribe C2s, right? right. You have to, like, the question it's, it's applied. Um, it's, it's much more real life and that makes it much more difficult. And then on top of that, you know, you're, you're going to have K type answer choices <laughs> that are like, Yes, but only valid for a oh, five day supply. No, no but no. like, and so it's like, it, it just gets worse and worse. It's, it's a very difficult test, um, which is why you have to have a strategy to study for it. It's why you have to not sleep on it, but then come in with an organized grouping of information, you know, and, and learn it in a, in a practical way that helps you actually retain and use the information. Awesome. Well, I, I love the North Dakota one, the Buffalo are dangerous view from a distance <laughs> image. <Yeah. That's, laughs> uh, you can't make that up, can you? Well, I, I was teaching, uh, I, I teach chemistry at a community college and pharmacology as well. And, and for whatever reason, I don't know if it's this primal urge or whatever, but as soon as the Bunsen burner goes on, all of the heads move closer to the fire. Yep. I'm like, no, no. <laughs> like moths up. to a flame. Right. <laughs> Yeah. So I question my, my career choice there. So, but um, just, just to be clear, this is um, I I should look at how it is on mobile, but on a desktop uh, it's a different choice. So instead of going to cheat sheets, go to uh, MPJE uh, resources. All right. Well, I've asked you a bunch of questions. Um, Do you have any blanket advice to our excited new graduates who are, have gotten residencies at a higher rate than ever in history, 72% for PGY1, 75% yeah, for PGY2, um, which is really exciting that we're, we're kind of getting close to that, that medical school uh, percentage, which I think is, oh gosh, don't quote me on this. I feel like it's, it's kind of skewed because there are also foreign graduates and things like that. I've heard it's over 90, but I've also heard 80, but but where it's reasonable that most people that graduate from a college of medicine will be in residency and able to continue, you know, as a physician uh, and most people that want a residency in pharmacy soon uh, should be able to get uh, a residency. But um, what, what blanket advice do you have at the end here and make sure to let us know how to contact uh, TLDR pharmacy yeah. or at least the website. So, yeah, sure. So blanket advice, um, Wait, for residency or for the MPJE? MPJE. Okay, yeah, just, so for the MPJE, for blanket advice, one thing is separating out state and federal laws. Um, You were taught federal laws, 
in school, most likely. Um, you probably purchased a federal law guidebook and that's great and you should, but remember state laws might be different. It might be more strict or more lax. Um, I think I think an over-focus, I'm not saying don't focus at all on federal law, but I think many students over-focus on federal law and then they memorize those values instead of the one for the actual state that you're taking, the MPJE. That's especially true, I think, on controlled substances. Another sort of blanket statement um, is just to give yourself time, you know, to, to not try to study for it in three days because even cramming this is very difficult. And last bit I would say is be very, very careful about using any intern or like tech experience that you have and, and applying that blindly. I think that gets a lot of people into trouble as well, because what might happen is maybe you work for one of the big chains, for example, they've got pharmacies in every single state. They might have their own record keeping internal, like to CVS or Walgreens or whatever, they may have their own internal record keeping. Okay, well, we file C2 separately from C3 through fives, and this is what we do. And they do that because it makes them standardize a process across all 50 states. That doesn't necessarily mean that that's what the law for the state is. The state might allow, you know, any given state might allow you to separate or to not separate C2 through five prescriptions. You just need to have control separately or some states require them to be locked up separately. You know, there's various different ways of doing it that your employer doesn't have to do exactly what that state says. They could do something that's even more strict. So be careful with your practice experience because it can well, that's what we did here. We kept them all, you know, we stored them this way and that might not be what that state requires, which will get you a wrong answer on a test. Okay. Awesome. Lastly, then, mm -hmm. it, it's passable. You can pass this test. Um, <laughs> yes. It's, something it's challenging. Possible. I know I've, I've spent an hour telling you how difficult it is. You can, you can pass this test. Um, it's, you know, a lot of people that are no smarter than you have done it. There's a lot of, you know, it's, it's doable. It just, requires some diligence. Awesome. And then uh, TLDR, tell me a little bit about the website, where to reach you. Yep. So you can go to tldrpharmacy.com. And again, if you join our email list, you'll get a free HIV and a free antibiotic cheat sheet, kind of give you a sample of how we organize information and what we're about. Um, we've got hundreds of free articles at this point that we've been compiling over the last you know, six years. So you can search um, up on the header, you know, for cheat sheets are MPJE resources, sources for residency. You can stratify our content out by clinical and by kind of professional residency, you know, life advice. Um, if you want to contact me directly, you can get in touch with me. I'm at brandon at tldrpharmacy.com. Um, and I, I get a fair amount of email, so it might take a couple of days, but I promise I, re I read every single email that I'm written and I try to respond to as many as I can, which is most of them. So, but, you know, feel free. We, we're here to help you. If I can help you do anything, like that's kind of what our goal is. That's why we created TLDR Pharmacy. So if you have any questions, please do reach out. Awesome. Well, thanks for being on the show. Absolutely. Thank you, Tony.